Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shereko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shereko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, welcome. I'm Susan Shereko. Sandra Swain is joining us today to talk about her book, How Willie the Wombat Won the Race. As a children's book, it's an opportunity for children to learn important life lessons. So we'll be talking on these subjects. Please wave your hands to welcome Sandra Swain. Hello, Sandra. Welcome. Thank you, Susan. I'm delighted to join you today. And I'm glad you did join us today. I love the books that are positive in nature. I know that How Willie the Wombat Won the Race is a children's book, and it's got a message. What age range is appropriate, and what's the message you want to convey? I think the age range is seven to nine, although kids are so visually oriented today, they still like pictures at age 10. The message is timeless, even for adults. It's about the power of belief and how it affects our lives, whether we're children or adults. and the messages we give ourselves. So I'm not sure Very exactly important. what a seven-year-old wouldn't get the entire message there, but they, a seven-year-old would understand how Willie Wombat did win this track race. Well, so it reminds, when you told me about it, it reminded me of the little engine that could. If you believe you can, you can kind of thing. So, how did you come up with the idea of a wombat as the as the animal to teach children this concept? Well, this was the second book I've written about Willie Wombat, and I wanted a character who represented a kid who was a little bit shy, and he was different from the other kids in the school. And I didn't want to use any negative physical feature, whatever. And a friend of mine told me about wombats. They are marsupials who live in Australia, like kangaroos and koalas. They are fascinating. If the listeners today looked up on the Internet juvenile wombats, they'd probably be as enchanted by them as I am. So that's how he became my character, because he was different than the other kids. And American children don't really know what a wombat is. I didn't know what a wombat was. So I think... <laughs> Two in the whole United States, as I understand there's one in the Chicago Zoo and one in the San Diego Zoo, and I'm hoping to visit one of those places. Mm. At any rate, the story of Willie is based on a true life story of a man named Roger Bannister, who in 1954 was the first person ever to run a mile in under four minutes. And he was the kind of person who was like the little engine who thought he could. He knew he could, in spite of the fact that he was told by everyone it's impossible for a man to run a mile in under four minutes. He believed he could. He didn't listen to them. He went ahead and did it. Willie is the type of character who believed he couldn't do it. And not only did he believe it himself, he was kind of heavy and two of the two or three other track players made fun of him and called him Willie Waddle because he was kind of chunky. So 
really allowed himself to believe he couldn't do it. So the thing about the real story of Roger Bannister is that the year after, in, in the 12 months after he ran the race in under four minutes, 23 other people did it. Right now, approximately 1,600 people have run a mile in under four minutes, and they could do it because they saw it done. They believed it could be done, but they knew it could be done. So they knew it could be done, yeah. Anyway, um, Willie, the transitional point for him in the story is he's expecting to lose the big track meet. And his friends really like him. They wish he would win, but they know the Badger brothers are going to win because they always do. And then Willie's mother tells him a secret. And I'll tell you the secret in a minute. But kind of segueing back into about wombats, I was looking up all this information on wombats and discovered that in spite of the fact they look chunky, they're very muscular and powerful runners as well as diggers. So that's sort of where the story was going. He's worked hard. The track coach has said, you can be on the team, but you got to work hard. He worked hard, but he was afraid of the Badger brothers. So he kind of stayed back. Then his mother told him about the fact that wombats run faster than badgers. And Willie internalized that and believed it. So at the track meet, he came out looking very confident. Can I read a portion to you at that point? Absolutely. Oh, I'd love to hear it. When Willie walked onto the track that day, Willie's friends noticed Willie just looked bigger and stronger. Willie actually looked confident. I believe I can do it, said Willie to Coach Bengal. The coach answered, I hope you can do it, Willie. The coach didn't really think Willie could beat the fastest kids on the team. After all, Willie had never done that. My mom told me a secret that might help, said Willie. Just do your best, Willie, answered the coach. The stands were full of all the kids. Most of them were friends of Willie and hoped he would win the race, even though secretly they knew he couldn't beat the Badger brothers. What they didn't know was Willie had a secret. He didn't just think he could win. He knew he could win. The biggest Badger brother yelled at Willie, Hey, Willie Waddle, what's a chubby kid like you doing out here? You can't beat us. Willie ignored them. And Willie went on to win the race. So the belief became part of his system based on knowledge um, that wombats really are faster than badgers. Just like all the people who were able to run a mile in under four minutes, they mm-hmm. knew it could be Roger Bannister did it. So that's the basis of the story. And we, we all have beliefs. I mean, we can say, I believe I'm going to be president, I believe I'm going to be Miss America, and I believe I'm the best basketball player in the world. But, of course, that's only the first part. You have to <laughs> leave the belief. And let's say you're LeBron James, and you believe, and you know you're an excellent basketball player. You still have to work at it over and over and over again. And that's the essential essential part of believing is when you see by evidence that you're getting better and better and better. And you do that by practice, which Willie was doing. He was out there working all the time. 
And if he didn't have the body structure to beat the Banjo Brothers, he never would have beat them, and he still benefited by being on a team. In mm-hmm. this story, he's being bullied, but not horribly, but being bullied by the Badger Brothers calling him names. So his mother suggested he go to school another way so he didn't even run into the Badger Brothers, which is not a bad strategy. But let's say Willie um, didn't hear that secret. Maybe Willie, his body just wasn't as fast as the Badger Brothers. There's other things Willie could have done. He could have been on a club in school, he could have been in another sport, he could have been in swimming, he's good at digging, he probably is good at swimming. He could play games, he could play musical instruments, he could join clubs, there's things to do to get you away from the bullies, and then along the way, he, like the listeners, can achieve new friendships based on common interests. You don't have to just avoid the Badger Brothers. You find new friends by finding a new activity. Right. So there's a couple of things running through here. Mm-hmm. One is... No, tell me. One, you mentioned just as we started that, that there is another Willy Wonka story. What is that one about? In that story, Willy Wombat's walk, he isn't mm-hmm. invited to... A party and he feels terrible. He feels sad. He feels dejected. He's moping around the house. He just plain feels awful that he wasn't invited. So his mother tells him to go out for a walk to get him out of the house to his room. Mm-hmm. And on his walk, he runs into friends who it turns out have also not been invited to a part the party. Mm-hmm. Each one of them thinks they know why they weren't invited. Willie thinks he wasn't invited because he was a new kid in the school. He had just moved here from Australia. Stephanie Squirrel thought she wasn't invited because the kids call her nuts sometimes, but she eats nuts. (laughs) Olivia thought she wasn't invited because the kids think she's just too smart and they call her smarty pants. So each character along the way thinks they know why they weren't invited. So again, a seven-year-old would find out the value of friendship in this story because all of these characters that Willie meets on his walk go back to his house and play and actually have their own party. An older child, I'm hoping, will see that Willie and each character hurt themselves needlessly. They kind of beat themselves up thinking that they knew why they weren't invited. Their assumptions were wrong, and they haven't learned to challenge those assumptions. So that's the level I'm hoping an older child will see. And I did Zoom with my daughter, who has a fourth-grade class, and I was delighted to see that they really understood that Willie was, and each character was doing that to himself. They needn't Mm. have to add. So that's the essence of the first book. They have to ask themselves first, what? That's the essence of the first book. They have to learn to challenge their assumptions. They made themselves feel bad. So, oh, my goodness. You know, Sandra, adults haven't learned how to do that. <laughs> no, no, we all beat ourselves up and we tell each other all this, ourselves all this negative self-talk based on nothing but our imagination. You are 100% right. And 
I haven't mentioned this to you before, Susan, but there is a book called The Four Agreements, which is a book of wisdom to help people transform their lives. And I, I must admit it transformed my life. The two of the agreements, when I first read the book about 15 years ago, I didn't believe. <laughs> and then ah, I started okay. paying. One of the things said in this book is 95% of our assumptions are wrong. And I underlined that, thought that's ridiculous. Now I totally believe it. I don't know if it's 95 or 94%, but we are functioning on basic wrong assumptions all the time. Partially because we can't get enough accurate information. Partially because we jump to conclusions as adults and kids. The other thing, the other um, agreement that's in this book is don't take things personally. That's what every character did. They needlessly hurt themselves by thinking they knew why they weren't invited. When the bottom line was, none of them were right. Tomcat, who was having the birthday parties, mother said you can only invite eight kids. So Tom didn't reject them based on anything about them. He had eight other friends. So they just became friends with each other. They looked for a different place for friendship and discovered that they were included in a group and they were not excluded based on any physical trait or psychological trait. And certainly Willie wasn't because he was a new kid in town. Mm-hmm. So that's the basic basics of my two Willie stories. And I actually, after I wrote the first book about Willie Wombat's walk, had a friend who, who's in her late 50s ask me, how do you make friends? And I said, well, I guess the same way that Willie did. You have to go out and find them. And sometimes it only takes one friend to feel good. She tried, she was fairly new in town and had not met a lot of people. And she joined an area hiking club. It didn't work out that well for her. She had still had trouble making friends. But then she joined a church that had a mission of helping drug addicts when they got out of um, hospitals find their way through life. She makes furniture for them mm-hmm. and very important group. So like Willie, she found her own group. So it does affect us our whole life. <laughs> You're All not kidding. Time. That's a profound statement right there. It's, it's a challenge when you move to a new area to find your way into that as a permanent part of your infrastructure. You know, who do you meet? What, what do you do with them? Do they satisfy your soul? It's a big, it's a big thing. It's, it's harder as you get older. In general, because when you're younger, you probably have kids, and the kids have friends, and you're automatically pulled into activity, uh, whether you want to be or not. Um, but mm-hmm. as you get older, you have that automatic um, connection. Yeah, right. right. Did you write any other books, Sandra? I wrote a third book called um, When Critters Get Cranky, which is... <laughs> I like to write stories for kids that either give them an aha, like the two mm-hmm. Billy stories, or a ha-ha, and the Critters story is really a ha-ha, and actually it's based on a true story of my very bad grandchildren when they were one and a half and two and a half. Uh, and it's about what do you do when you, your children are cranky and they 
do bad things and they're whining, need all this attention, and you, the mom or the dad, are worn out by them. There's only one thing you can do. You know what that thing is? Whether you're the kid or <laughs> the parents? Take a nap. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it. You put the kids to bed and you take a nap too. So in this particular story, my actual grandchildren, the twins were about eight months and their sister was one year older. When the other grandmother answered the phone, these three types got into the refrigerator and pulled eggs and yogurt out and threw them at the and laughed. So oh my. <laughs> I think kids will recognize themselves, and I'm hoping none of them get the idea of eggs and yogurt from my story. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> I can picture that kitchen. <laughs> oh, it was a mess. Um, in yep. fact, my daughter sent a bouquet of a dozen roses to her mother. Sandra, am I correct that all of your books are self-published? They are all self-published. They're all available on actually anywhere online, whether it's Target or Walmart, but they are probably the most sales are through Amazon. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting how they're different prices, different places, but they're available anywhere online, Barnes & Noble, um, I I am in the process of publishing a fourth story called The Shenanigans of Pickle and Jam, which is about two twin, well, obviously twin raccoons who get into lots of trouble and almost don't find their way back home. They eventually do, but it's the tale of all the dangers they ran into. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to add one more thing, if I may, Susan, and that is the first book, Willy Wombat's Walk, uh, is a finalist in the Eric Hoffer Book Awards for self-published, small publishing firms, anything that is not a big publishing house. So I'm really excited about just being a finalist. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. That's, that's a that's an accomplishment, you know, to reach that point. Are you a full-time writer? No, but I thought I was going to be when I when COVID hit. I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to have to stay home. I can write all the time. I've written all my life, stories all my life. I've written children's stories for many years. Um, in the late 1990s, I found out that traditional publishers wouldn't even read manuscripts anymore for children's books unless you were already published or you were a celebrity, neither of which I was. Mm-hmm. So I kind of abandoned it. My degree was in journalism. I liked that kind of writing, too. But I really liked taking a a life lesson and turning it into a story for kids. So thanks to COVID, I <laughs> you got the chance. That's awesome. <laughs> the publisher who printed the book said that they were overwhelmed with the number of people. So apparently a lot of people sat out and decided they would write because they were at home. But I was what, what else can you do? You know, you can you can decorate, you can clean house, you can cook every recipe in all your cookbooks. But at some point, you you need something else. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do yeah. have another occupation. I'm also a realtor. So even then, I didn't think people would buy houses, and it turned out they did in droves. Mm-hmm. 
in spite of COVID. But again, I wouldn't have even called a self-publishing company if it weren't for COVID and my expectations were that I couldn't get out for months. I'm so, so glad it did. Yeah, I'm glad you did. It sounds like they're charming and, and a lot of people will get a really positive insight through them. Do you have other books aside from the ones I Shenanigans of Pickles and Jam. Do you have other titles in mind? Uh, I've written probably another 20 stories. The the one I'm most recently reworking. It's kind of easy to write the story, but then the hard work starts of going over it, making sure you're using the right words and and that kids would understand it. But one I'm working on is called Whiskers and the Giant Mouse. And I think I will publish that one, too. Mm-hmm. He's a giant mouse and it scares them. And what does he do? And I could tell you that whole story. There's no great moral okay. to that. <laughs> um, it's just it's, what it is. Yeah. Did you, um, um, where do you promote your book? I'm not great at that. I should be doing a lot more. Um, COVID kind of kept me from going to bookstores because they don't have as many book signings as but, usual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't get a national review and U.S. review of um, a book. Um, but it's a bookstores across the country, and they are promoting it. I did an interview with an independent nonprofit bookstore in New Jersey the other day, and I know my books were promoted at a Buffalo nonprofit bookstore. I could do a lot more of those. So that's a sensitive question. <laughs> ah, yes. Well, it's, you know, the, the possibilities are probably endless, but our energy doesn't always keep up with the possibilities. Are, are you and active in social up. media? Yes. And I, it was promoted once, um, the first book through social media. And mm-hmm. that's the, I think I will continue because I purchase things all the time that I see on social media or oh, wow. on, uh, social media. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's one I will continue. But I'm excited to be part of a podcast too where you really get to talk in depth about what the story means. Yes, and I I think it makes a big difference. When someone hears your voice, they really do have a sense of whether they like you or trust you or want to get to know you better, They're curious, you know, so that it opens the door a little bit further for them to pick up your book and find out what you're all about. And what I really have a secret wish about is I wish that the two Willie stories could be used as a foundation in classrooms mm-hmm. um, with kids so that they can maybe discuss these things, what to do if they are being bullied what to do about friends. Um, again, that Zoom call with my daughter's fourth grade class it was very interesting how open these fourth graders were about some of their challenges and how Willie affected them. So if I had a dream, that would be it, that it would be used as and a I think that, Yeah, that's a very realistic dream. With Zoom, we have so much. I mean, you might not be able to travel to all the schools that you would like to go to, but you can reach them via Zoom. If you can make the connection with the librarian or with a teacher in the school who is, you know, open to a Zoom message like that, you can reach a lot of people. I'm really seriously thinking of involving that more because I would like kids 
<clears throat> to see that there are better ways to think, especially mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, the messages we give ourselves. We say we can't do things. I even mm-hmm. do it. I've written a book Absolutely. about don't do it. I do it. Mm-hmm. It's of course, I think we all do. It's yeah. it's a discipline. It's absolutely a discipline to to stop yourself from saying things that shut you down. I have my own favorite, which is I can't do this now later. But the problem <laughs> is <laughs> I'll get to it later. And you know I the things that are piled up in the I'll get to it later pile are pretty high. <laughs> when you're just <laughs> you take the diapers out of your laundry basket. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all say that to ourselves. And it's almost like yeah. there's little recordings in our head that they're not, you can do it. The thing about the little engine was he said, I think I can, I think I can, and that's important. That's but right. it's when that's I right. think that it really becomes part of you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. And after that little engine reached the top of the hill, he knew he could. That's that's the goal. Yes, absolutely. So they're all wonderful stories, and and the positive message they're they're telling is so important for our kids. So they have the courage to try. They don't just stop down. That's excellent. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your stories with us, Sandra. Yeah, let for our listeners. Let's remind them that we've been speaking with Sandra Swain about how Willie the Wombat won the race and his other books that she has, one on Willie and his, um, you know, I don't have that second title written down here that he's he's such a wonder. It's about the birthday party. Which one was that? Willie Wombat's Walk. Walk. Willie Wombat's Walk. And then you have When Critters Get Cranky. And you have an upcoming one called The Shenanigans of Pickle and Jam. You are just shocked full of wonderful little stories for kids. So, um, you know, take take the time to look her up. She's online on Amazon and just about every place else that's online. And you'll find there, her messages are good and they're things you want to convey to children so they believe in themselves. So thank you again for sharing your story with us, Sandra. Thank you, Susan. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Well, that does it for us today, folks. Bye for now, and have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.